0: to the sermon podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. When I was in high school, I went to a friend's house. We were going to play, this is going to date me, but it's one of the greatest games of all time, Tecmo Bowl. And we were passionate about this game. And we're standing in the kitchen trying to get upstairs to the bonus room to play. And his mother says, I've got to run to the grocery store. I won't be gone very long. Watch your brothers. And when we heard the garage door close, upstairs we went and we turned on the game and we were ready to play. And I remember about an hour passing and hearing the garage door opening and realizing that we had failed miserably in our duties to watch his two little brothers. I heard the back door of the house open and then I heard his mother drop the groceries on the floor and scream. It was such a loud and terrifying scream that we ran down the stairs and there in the kitchen were his two younger brothers one in kindergarten, one in first or second grade, and there was cake mix all over the kitchen like a bomb had gone off. There were chocolate chips all over the kitchen. An entire gallon of milk had been spilt on the counter and the kitchen floor. And for whatever reason, and I'm still to this day not sure, there was chocolate syrup all over the walls. It was a disaster zone. And she looked at these two little boys and she said, what have you done? And I remember standing there thinking, here comes the moment of confession and rightly repentance. The two little boys pointed at me, and they said, Hunter did it. And the mother turned around, knowing full well that I did not do it, but we still got a tongue lashing for not watching these little boys and allowing them to, to bring ruin to her spotless and perfect kitchen. So we've come to Zechariah this morning, and the reason that I mentioned that story is because one of the main things that Zechariah is going to talk about is the importance of repentance in terms of spiritual renewal. This is going to be a theme that we see throughout this book. Repentance and spiritual renewal. Now, Before we jump into the text, it is important that we come to a better understanding of this book of the Bible. And so you should have behind you a timeline of this important book of the Old Testament. And I want us to walk through this very briefly. Where is Zechariah? Some of you may have had a little bit of trouble finding it in your Bible. The best way to find Zechariah is actually go to the beginning of the New Testament with Matthew and go back a few pages. There it is. Now our Bible is divided into five parts. You have the excuse me, the Pentateuch, the historical books, the poetic books, major prophets, and minor prophets. And as you see, Zechariah is considered a minor prophet. This is where this book is situated within the canon of Scripture. This is where you can find it within the Old Testament. Now, let's look at an overview of Zechariah, a historical timeline, if you will. I think that this will be helpful for you. In 930 B.C., we have the divided kingdom you see that Israel was torn in two. You had Judah and part of the tribe of Benjamin that was led by Rehoboam, and their capital was Jerusalem. The other half of the division was Israel. So now you have you did have the nation of Israel, God's covenant people. There is division after the death of King Solomon. So you have Judah and part of the tribe of Benjamin. And now you have Israel. Those are the other ten tribes and then some of the tribe of Benjamin. They are led by Jeroboam and they make their capital Shechem in the north. And this is displeasing to God. Because God has talked about in the Old Testament that He is going to raise up a Davidic king for His people. And that He is going to bring covenant blessings to His people through this Davidic king. And Israel is sinful. They are rebellious. They want nothing to do with God. They do not obey His covenant. They do not do what He is asking them to do according to His Word, and it brings division, it brings problems, it brings struggles. And so you see in 7.22 that the Assyrians come, and they bring judgment to, at first, Israel, because Israel's sin is greater, and the Assyrians destroy Israel and take them into Exile. It was a complete and total and brutal and awful victory. And then we see in 586, the Babylonian victory over Judah. This is the Babylonian army led by Nebuchadnezzar. And not only do they win in terms of battle over the people of Judah, they do something that's unthinkable to the nation of Israel. They destroy God's temple. They destroy it. And they take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's presence within the Holy of Holies, in the temple. They take it, and it's lost to history. Which is a sign, it is a symbol of the utter destruction of God's people. It is judgment for their unwillingness to obey covenant. And they are taken into exile 586 B.C. It is a dark time for God's people. Are His promises true? Has He deserted us? Do we have any hope? In 539 to 538 B.C., the Persian Empire rises to prominence And it defeats the Babylonian Empire under Cyrus. Cyrus was a man who respected all religions and he agreed to allow the people of Israel, Judah, to return to Jerusalem. And so he releases them in 538 to 537 and they return to the land. So it's important to understand this timeline. It's important to understand what has happened to Israel and what has happened to Judah. That they have come home, that they have returned, many of them from exile. Scholars believe that around 55,000 people returned under the great release that Cyrus issued and Darius completed. And so Zechariah is born during this time. He's born in exile, but he returns as a young child to Jerusalem. He is a prophet, as the text tells us, but we also know from Nehemiah that he is a priest, that apparently his father must have died young because he's not mentioned in the text later on as a priest, but his grandfather was. So we know that he is both a prophet and a priest. In the lifespan of Zechariah, the temple foundation is laid in 536 B.C. Now you need to understand this theologically because this is very important. God has brought Israel back from exile. He has restored them to the land. And He is encouraging them to rebuild the temple. The stage is being set, if you will. So every Saturday, we come to this place to set up the church. Put out the chairs, do the curtains, do the stage. We're setting up Trinity for worship the following day. That is what is happening in this period in history. God is setting Israel up for the coming of the kingdom you've returned to the land, you have a high priest, you're laying the foundation for the temple, if you will obey the covenant, if you will do what your forefathers failed to do, if you will obey me and listen to me and follow after me, I will give you a Davidic king and I will bring about the kingdom of God. The stage has been set. And so Zechariah comes on the this, on this scene and he's saying two important things. Rebuild the temple, people. Rebuild the temple. The kingdom of God is at hand. It perhaps could come through proper temple worship, a Davidic king, and covenant obedience. So he talks about in his book, in his prophetic message, the importance of rebuilding the temple. Why? Also, they have stopped working on the temple. They laid the foundation in 536 B.C. We know this from history. We know this for a fact. But different problems arose that caused the people of Israel and Jerusalem to neglect the rebuilding of the temple. Zechariah is saying, stage is set. Let's get to work. Let's do this. And then he's also talking to them about the importance of spiritual renewal. Obey the covenant, people. Repent. Listen to God. Embrace His Word. Proper temple worship. The Davidic king will come, and then the kingdom will come. It's, it's right here. The promises of God in all their perfect fulfillment are right here. Let's take a hold up. And so that is the context and that is the background for Zechariah. What this prophet and this priest is trying to communicate. So I mentioned earlier that not only does he talk about rebuilding the temple, but he talks about spiritual renewal. And we see this in the first six verses of chapter 1. So what are the two keys to spiritual renewal how do we understand this law li- and how do we understand this passage for us we are not trying to rebuild the temple how do we come to a deeper and fuller and more meaningful understanding of what he was trying to communicate to israel so long ago so there are two keys it applies to them at that point in time and it applies to us today the first key to spiritual renewal is submission to God's Word. We see it in our text. Look at verse 4. Speaking about the prophets, and in particular speaking about the, their forefathers before exile, Zechariah writes, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Here's what he is trying to communicate to Jerusalem, to the people of Israel. Submit to God's Word. Do you want a life of spiritual renewal? Then you submit yourselves to the truths, to the statutes, to the teaching of the Word of God. This is what keeps you in line. This is the truth. This is what helps you to obey covenant. This is what helps you to follow after Christ. It is a privilege that our God has spoken to us, that He has not left us in the dark, and that we can know Him. We can know His will. We can know what He desires of us. We can follow after Him. We submit to the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. You've probably heard this passage many times speaking about the Word of God. Thinking through the dynamic of submitting to the Word of God. Paul writes to Timothy, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When you submit to the Word of God and your desire for spiritual renewal, what the Word of God does through the work of the Holy Spirit, hear this, it completes us. Now, we all know the movie line, you complete me. We all know that. It's sweet. It's romantic. It's a little bit funny. But what Paul is saying to us is that we need to know that the Word of God is everything for us. It completes us. Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, Interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Beginning with Moses and the prophets. Who is a prophet? Well, we looked at the major prophets. We are looking in particular at a minor prophet this morning, Zechariah. And what Jesus is saying, what Luke is saying in chapter 24, is that all of Scripture points us to Jesus. And so when we submit ourselves to the Word of God, it not only completes us as humans made in the image of God, when we submit, we see Jesus. Because all of the Bible is about Him. All of the Bible points to Him. That the Holy Spirit working in our lives helps us to see who Jesus is. One of the privileges of being a pastor through the years is walking alongside people who were not believers and they became Christians and the Holy Spirit came into their life and to hear their reaction and their response as they read the Word of God and they see Jesus and they see His grace and His mercy and His love everywhere. Coming to me and saying, This book made no sense. It was just a bunch of weird, odd, old stories. And through faith and the work of the Holy Spirit, I now see Jesus and He's everywhere. What a beautiful thing that submission means that when we come to the Word of God, we see our Savior. And then Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, But He answered... Jesus. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus is saying is not only does submitting to the word of God mean that we are made complete, not only does it mean that we see Jesus in everything, it also means that we have life. You shall not live by bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, this word feeds you, it strengthens you. It is life. You can't live without it. And so the message for Israel in the time of Zechariah regarding the word of God is as true then as it is today. This is what spiritual renewal is all about. It's the submission to the Word of God and all the benefits that it brings our soul. I need it. You need it. We need this. We need the Word. We are people of the Word. Two keys to spiritual renewal. First, submission to the Word of God. Second, repentance. Turning around turning your life around. Let's go back to the text. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, footnote, Cyrus was great king of the Persian Empire. He died in battle. He was replaced by one of his sons. He ruled for about a year. And then Darius usurped him. And Darius is considered, alongside Cyrus, one of the great leaders of the Persian Empire. Another one would be Artaxerxes. So in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Barakia, the son of Edo, saying, the Lord was very angry with your fathers, therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and hear this, and I will return to you says the Lord of the Host. It's a message that we see throughout the Bible. Through confession and repentance, the Lord comes to His people. Matthew 4.17, I read it in the children's message earlier. Repentance is throughout Scripture. When Jesus begins His ministry, what does He go to the people of Israel saying? Repent, repent for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand. When we are confronted with the holy majesty and perfection of God, the only response from sinful rebellion people is repentance. When we encounter the Word of God in all its perfection, when we see Jesus on every page, and we see Him in all His glory, the only response for God's people is confession. Repentance is is a reorientation of heart, soul, and mind. It is completely turning around. Completely. Not looking back. Most of you know this, but a couple of years ago, we found out that my son has celiac disease. Very seriously. And we came home and we had to learn how to do things differently from that point forward. We had to think through how we prepare his food, how we serve his food, what his food can touch versus what our food can touch. It was a laborious and difficult and challenging process to navigate all of this. But we loved John Hunter. And so we were desirous of doing this for him. It never encountered, it never crossed our minds that we might come home and say, you know what? I don't care that John Hunter has celiacs. We're putting his bread in our toaster. And it's going to get gluten all over it, and he's just going to suffer. And that's just part and parcel of living in a fallen world, John Hunter. Just deal with it. No. We went and we bought him his own toaster and we keep it in a separate part of the kitchen and we keep his bread separate. He has his own freezer full of gluten-free goodies. That's a slight exaggeration. We turned around. We did things differently. It was a complete reorientation of how we live life as a family. And so that's what the text is saying to us this morning, is leave behind the world, turn around and live for Jesus. Live in light of His coming and the kingdom of God. Find renewal in Him. Zachariah was saying to his audience so long ago, rebuild this temple, because the Davidic son needs to come. This Davidic son needs to rule from Jerusalem in perfection so that God can pour out on us all His perfect blessings. Obey the covenant. Do what He's asking. Listen and obey. And the message is slightly altered all these years later on this side of the cross, but it's similar. Obey the Word of God. Do what He is saying. Listen to Jesus. Submit yourself to His world, to His word. Live a life of spiritual renewal and confession and repentance in the name of Jesus. Don't continue living according to the world. Don't continue to live in rebellion. Run to him. Find renewal in Him. Submit to the word of God. Confess and repent. Take that to heart, Trinity. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You that it speaks to us. Father, we pray that the prophet Zechariah will challenge us not only as we continue on this journey through this book, but even today, right now. Father, may we submit to Your Word And may we live a life of confession and repentance for the sake and the glory of Your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.